I just love Reformation. In fact, I used to teach Reformation history here at Concordia. And since I used to teach Reformation history, I thought it would be appropriate if I did some scholarly research in preparation for, for this event. So I logged on to Wikipedia. Then I found this website called FamousLutherans.com. It was a rather small website. <laughs> but I figured that had to do with that inherent <clears throat> Lutheran trait of humility. <clears throat> no real Lutheran wants to be famous, apparently, and especially Martin Luther. You see, the first several names on the list included the likes of Lonnie Anderson, Anne Margaret, Ingrid Bergman, Greta Garbo, Bo and Jeff Bridges, L. Kaline, and, and other celebrities. I had to scroll way down to find Martin Luther. Uh, he is even after Karl Marx. <clears throat> but the Reformation really isn't all about Luther. It's all about God's grace. But Martin Luther played a significant role in bringing that grace to light. And he did so using, among other things, the paradigm of <clears throat> sola gratia, sola fide, and sola scriptura, that I always like to refer to as Luther's sola system. But the Reformation was not so much a system as it was a process. And even though <clears throat> the Reformation was a process which included theological and political and social change, <clears throat> The birth of the Reformation is often considered to be October 31st, 1517. And that's when Luther posted those 95 theses on the church door in Wittenberg. And those theses protested the sale of indulgences. You see, indulgences were sold to common people, assuring them that their sins would be forgiven and that their stay in purgatory could be commuted. <clears throat> but Luther was concerned that Contrition, regret over one's sin, wasn't even part of the forgiveness equation. I mean, why feel sorry for your sin if you could just pay it off with money? But what's really missing here is the price that Jesus paid to rid us of our guilt. Now, even before this event, Luther was struggling with the nature of the gospel. See, he had always pictured Christ to be an angry Christ. Christ was angry because his people couldn't keep his laws. And not only was Christ angry, but he was unapproachable. All he could do and offer was punishment. No wonder Luther had some issues. But <clears throat> later, while Luther was studying scripture in the monastery, he came to see Jesus in a totally different way. The, the Christ of Scripture took on a whole new meaning. Jesus was not angry. He was gracious. Jesus was not unapproachable. In fact, he could now be heard saying, come unto me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Jesus was less interested in punishing and more interested in in forgiving. 
the Reformation really changed the way people looked at Jesus. And it was definitely a change for the better. Oh, God wanted righteousness, all right, just not our own. He wanted his son's righteousness, and he got it. Now he wanted his son's righteousness to be in us. But, but how's that happen? Where a key verse for Luther, our text for today, Romans 1.17, <clears throat> reads, For in the gospel a righteousness from God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. The righteousness that is ours comes from Christ. The righteousness that is ours becomes ours simply through faith. The righteousness that is ours is now the source of our life now and forever. This righteousness does not come from ourselves. We got nothing to bring to the party. Paul writes later in this letter, but now a righteousness from God apart from the law has been made known, which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. Even the faith which receives Christ's righteousness does not come from ourselves. That, too, is a gift from God. And this faith grabs on to Christ's righteousness. And when I taught here, I used to ask my students, which of these two comments sounds <clears throat> more appropriate? First one, it doesn't matter what you believe in as long as you believe. Or the second one, faith is only as valid as its object. Having faith is important, but what we believe in, the object of our faith, is more important still. Now that first statement makes faith an end in itself. And the only kind of righteousness that faith is going to grab onto is its own. That's not going to cut it. Now that second statement acknowledges the importance of faith, but even more important still is its object. In this case, its object is Jesus. If you believe in Jesus, you get his righteousness. It's as simple as that. Faith receives and gives what God says first, what God declares first. One person put it this way, faith is the echo of our hearts to the voice of God. And God's voice declares us righteous. Well, I guess that's what we are. That's why Luther said he could sin boldly. This is a non-excuse to let her rip in wild living. But rather secure in Christ's righteousness, we no longer need to be <clears throat> paralyzed by fear. Now, we're bound to sin in our daily lives, but we don't have to let the fear of sin stop us from celebrating our new life because we've got Christ's righteousness. <clears throat> now, how did we get it? Did we earn it? I think not. Did we choose it? I think not. But nonetheless, we, we still got it. 
is kind of like receiving an organ from an organ donor. The only thing we bring to the equation is that we're sick and we're going to die. Lying there on the operating table, we receive that life-giving organ from someone who graciously offers it. And by the way, that gracious someone had to die for us to receive that organ. Now, can you see the parallel? We receive the life-giving righteousness from a donor named Jesus, who, by the way, had to die for us to receive it. Now, what do you say to that? How about, thank you. Forensic justification is another contribution to the Reformation. Basically, that means we get Christ's righteousness because God said so. Remember when you were a kid and had to do something you didn't want to do and you complained to your parents and you said, why? And they said, because I said so. End of story. Their declaration was the final word. In a similar sense, God has the final word on our spiritual status as well. It's kind of like a, a courtroom situation. Whatever the judge says is final. You could be guiltier than a fox in a chicken coop, but if the judge says you're innocent, you're innocent, at least in his eyes, and his eyes are all that really count in that moment. <clears throat> in a similar way, picture yourself in a courtroom with God standing before you as judge, and next to you stands another person, Jesus. Oh, you know why you're there. You're guilty as sin, and you await the just verdict. God points to you and says, innocent. And you're thinking, what the heck? I'm not innocent. Look at all the things I've done, the thoughts I've had, the, the hurtful words <clears throat> that I've said. I'm not innocent. Yes, you are. God said so. It's as simple as that and as final as that. <clears throat> well, maybe it's not so simple. In order for God to look at you and say, innocent, he had to look at that other person, Jesus, and say, guilty. And you're thinking, Jesus was not guilty. He really was innocent. Why would God declare his son guilty? <clears throat> well, Paul tells us why in 2 Corinthians 5, 21. God made him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to be our sin for us, so that in him we might be the righteousness of God. That's why God wants us to have his righteousness. But in order for that to happen, he had to give our guilt to his son. That's called the divine exchange. Now, we're not going to argue with God about that, are we? I mean, look at all he had to do to declare us innocent. Do we really want to offer up our own righteousness instead? I don't think so. We are righteous because God said so. Simple as that. I mean, if God can speak this whole world into existence with a word, he can certainly speak his son's righteousness into us with a word. 
In the beginning, God said, let there be light, and there was. At our baptism, God said, you are righteous because of Jesus, and we are. God speaks to us. He declares us innocent. He declares us righteous for the sake of the incarnate word, Jesus Christ. Listen to that verdict again. You are innocent. And it is final. It is final because Jesus said it is finished. Righteousness is God's final verdict for you and me. What do you say to that? Thank you. And let's not just say thank you with our words and worship and praise. Let's say thank you in our our daily living as well. So the next time you get to wondering how you could possibly be considered righteous, especially when you don't feel very righteous or act very righteously, go ask God. In fact, ask him today. I know what he'll say because I said so. Amen. I may the peace of God which surpasses all human understanding keep our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.